Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. At Connect, we figure you want to grow spiritually alongside others. I mean, by the very nature of you tuning in, you have to be at least a little curious about God and the life he has for you. We all, if anything, we all want to have some clarity, some answers to the questions that keep us up at night. Maybe your questions are more practical in nature. Who should I marry? How do I parent my kids? Where should I live? How should I manage my money? Or maybe your questions are more existential in nature. Is there a God? And if there is, can I know him? Who am I? Where do I fit? What's my calling? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have a, a roadmap that just paved the way, that showed us what, ne- what step we should take, or even better than a roadmap, a GPS, something that, that personally instructed us on the next step we should take. You know something? For millennia, Christians have believed that, in part, God gave the Bible to us for some of these very reasons. And American adults actually agree. You see, this year, 2021, Barna, the research group, they did a study called the State of the Bible 2021. And in this study, they've discovered that seven out of 10 American adults believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Half of American adults actually believe that the Bible is without error. And half of American adults even believe that the Bible speaks to how to live a meaningful, fulfilling life. So we actually have a very high view of Scripture as a society. Statistically speaking, uh, we think that, that Scripture is God's Word, that it maps the way for us. Now, this is awesome if we lived like it. But in that same study, Barna discovered that only one out of three American adults read their Bible beyond a church service in any given week. Less than half of Americans will actually read their Bible more than two times this year. So here we have uh, this desire to know God, to have answer to our questions, and we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, that it actually maps the way for us. And yet, most of us don't read Scripture. Why the great disconnect? Why the divide between our orthodoxy, our right beliefs, and our orthopraxy, our right actions. What do you think Jesus would say about this? Like many of us, we're Jesus followers. What does Jesus believe about Scripture? What does Jesus believe about the Bible? To discover the answer to this question, I actually invite you to open your Bible with me to Matthew 5, 17 through 20, where we're going to see what Jesus believes about Scripture and why it matters to us. Now, if you need a Bible, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app where there's also a place you can jot down some notes. We're in this series, U-Turn, because we seek the good life, a full, meaningful, satisfying life. And we've tried to realize this life the world's way, but it's left us exhausted, empty, exasperated. But we're discovering a different way, a better way, the way of Jesus. And when we go the way of Jesus, It is then and only then that we truly find 
full life. Today, we're going to see what Jesus believes about the Bible and why it matters to us. So, as we prepare to open the Bible and read what Jesus believes about what we're about to read, let's do this. Let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask to hear from God now. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for an opportunity to open it. Would you please speak to us through your word, through Jesus, so that we can know Jesus more and so we can know you more. We ask this in your name. Amen. What do you say? Let's see what Jesus believes about the Bible and open the door to getting some of our other life questions answered. Picking up now in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So here, when Jesus said the law or the prophets, he was using a literary device to essentially say all of Scripture. The law, the beginning of the Hebrew Scripture, the beginning of our Old Testament, to the prophets, the end of the Hebrew Scripture. So from the very beginning to the end, Jesus came not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. In this Greek word that's translated here as fulfill can also be translated fill, make full, carry out, accomplish. Jesus is the full expression of, the, the ultimate carrying out of the Hebrew scripture. He obeyed all 613 of the laws that God gave his people to, to, to live in a right relationship with him. But then Jesus also fulfilled the hundreds of prophecies of the coming Messiah. From the the first word to the final period, Jesus didn't come to abolish scripture. He came to fulfill it. In that, scripture points to Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment of it. Here we learn the first thing Jesus believes about Scripture. Scripture is a sign pointing to Jesus. Now, because Scripture is a sign pointing to Jesus, he didn't come to to set it aside as he explains next. Now in verse 18, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished until God's redemptive plan is is carried out in its fullest most complete form until the kingdom of God is fully realized nothing should be ignored nothing should be set aside that scripture teaches because scripture points to Jesus now in that Jesus checked all the boxes in the law in the prophets it scripture is a sign pointing to him in the fact that Jesus didn't cross out the boxes scripture is a roadmap to following Jesus. Now, Jesus fleshed this out further in what he said next, and I wanna encourage you, listen up, because this matters a lot to us. Listen to this in verse 19 now. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Three times in just these two verses, Jesus mentioned the kingdom of heaven, which we've been referring to as the good life throughout this series, the the full, meaningful, satisfying life that we're after. And here, Jesus says that Whoever sets aside or, or, or just brushes aside or teaches others to do the same, just ignores scripture, the one who does that is least in the kingdom of heaven. Now this, this should set an alarm off in our spirit. 
because statistically, two out of three of us don't even read scripture on our own in any given week. This is a problem. This is a big problem because scripture matters to Jesus and scripture should matter to us. And not just in our beliefs, but in our actual practice, in our reading of scripture. Now, on the other hand, what the text says is that those who practice and teach these commands, those who who apply and share scripture, they are great in the kingdom of heaven. This, now, this would either encourage us because it characterizes our life or it discourages us because it doesn't. Maybe scripture feels unapproachable to you. You open it up and you don't know where to start. You don't know how to make sense of it. The last thing on your mind is teaching it to someone. You figure, oh, no, 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 teaching the Bible, that's for someone who has a degree in Bible. But I want to encourage you, like wherever you're at, whatever your thoughts are on Scripture, however approachable it seems to you, you can read, apply, you can even teach Scripture, and you can even do that this week. You see, if you've got a chair in your house, in a, in a Bible, in a drawer, you don't have to set it aside anymore. You, you can take that Bible out, or you can even take the, the phone out of your pocket, and you can sit in that chair, and you can read your Bible, and you can hear from God. This is a practice that we call chair time here at Connect. If you need a Bible, there's a free one in our app. Just download the app on the App Store and you can access the Bible and you can start reading it this week. But don't just read it, apply it. Like when you, when you hear God speak to you through Scripture, just do what it says. And don't just do what it says, share it with others. Like actually read Scripture with others, talk about it together. You can teach Scripture. Maybe for you, if you're a parent, and you do bedtime with your kids, like we do with ours. One of the things we do is is we'll read a a Bible story from a kid's Bible with our daughter Hannah before she goes to bed. Maybe you do the same this week. Or maybe at lunch, you sit down with a coworker or you grab coffee with a friend and you open up the Bible and you just, you read and talk about it together. You learn and grow together. If you're wondering like, where do I start? Like, what should I do? Why not this? Why not just keep reading in the Sermon on the Mount? You see, the rest of Matthew 5 is broken up into six sections, all right? So we read through verse 20. We'll read through verse 20 today. Pick up in verse 21. And each of these sections, it's only like a paragraph or two. What if you read one section each day this week? So for the next six days, you read one section of Scripture. Hey, by next week, by next message, you'll even have a head start because we're going to be talking about that very passage. So try it out this week. Read scripture and see what God says to you. Now, greatness in the kingdom of heaven is actually closer than you think. Uh, But don't be fooled because here's what Jesus has to say about this. In verse 20, he says, For truly I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses, surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Even the religious elites fall short in perfect obedience to God's instruction. So unless you can perform perfectly, then we're going to fall short too. We can't check all the boxes. We, We sin. We miss the mark. And that's why Jesus came. He knew that we missed the mark. He knew that we couldn't check all the boxes, the law. It actually reveals to us that we we don't miss the mark, that we we fall short. But Jesus didn't. Jesus checked all the boxes. He fulfilled every law. 
He was sinless. So when he died, he didn't die for his sin. He didn't have any. When he died, he died for your sin. He died for my sin. And now we can experience the kingdom of heaven with him. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Scripture is both a sign pointing to Jesus and a roadmap to following Jesus. The question is, how does Scripture direct our steps? How does it guide our journey? I'm so glad you asked. Because Scripture directs us in a couple of ways. First, to get to know Jesus, get to know Scripture. By the nature of Scripture being a sign that points to Jesus, when we read Scripture, we're going to get to know Jesus. Uh, Several months ago, I was grabbing lunch with Samuel at Firebowl Cafe off Arapahoe, and we were just eating our lunch. And if you haven't been to the place, it's really good. You should totally check it out. But we're eating our lunch, and uh, we're just talking about about how he's growing in his faith and and everything. And he said something really profound. He said, Chris, if I want to keep growing in my faith, I, I can't rely, depend upon a a weekly message from a preacher to do that. Like, I have to read my Bible regularly. I I can't remember how exactly I responded, but I just about gave him a high five. I mean, I I wanted to at least because Samuel gets it. He gets it. In order to grow spiritually, you got to encounter God and you encounter God every time you open his word. If you depend on me or another preacher as the primary teacher and the primary uh, instigator of your own spiritual growth, I'm just going to tell you, your spiritual growth will be stunted. God, God didn't give preachers as the primary teacher for us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. You see, when we follow Jesus, Jesus gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And that's the same spirit of God who actually inspired the, the human authors who penned scripture. That same spirit of God is living in us, living in you. So when you open scripture and you're following Jesus, that same spirit helps you understand what he wrote thousands of years ago. Isn't that amazing? Like like the primary teacher that God has given us is his very spirit so we can know him more. Now, by the nature of scripture being a roadmap to following Jesus, a roadmap is only as good as it is used and applied. And that's why James, the half-brother of Jesus, later wrote this in his letter to some churches around the area. He said this in James 1, 22 through 25, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When we read scripture, the Holy Spirit reflects our lives back to us, convicting us of a sin, showing us how we need to turn, we need to repent, and we need to follow Jesus. Look, you don't roll out of bed in the morning. Look in the mirror, see Einstein hair, hop in your car, and head to a job interview. So why do we open up scripture and look into the mirror of God's word and then walk away as if all we did was simply scroll Instagram? A couple weeks ago, I challenged us as a church to not just, uh, just read through scripture, 
but to actually let scripture get through us. So in our chair time, what we've been doing is we've been reading less and reflecting more. Over the last couple of weeks, you've memorized, you've meditated. Now do it. Like do what you've been reading, apply it. <clears throat> Let me show you what this has looked like really practically in my life, okay? So junior year of college, Amanda and I have been dating for a couple years at this point, And we kind of were at that point in the relationship where we're like, okay, either we need to move towards marriage or move on. So we, we took some time in just the natural rhythm of our year over Christmas break where, we're, where we were going to be apart from one another. And we said, let's take this time to seek God and his will for us. Now, Amanda had an idea that we should fast from talking with one another for the first half of the break. I'll be honest with you. I thought that was a terrible idea. Why would I want to stop talking to the person I love? But I wanted to appear spiritual. So I did the fast and I figured, okay, if I can't talk to Amanda, might as well hear from God. So I Google searched all the, the passages in Scripture, all the verses in Scripture that talk about marriage. And I just slowly over that week started to read through verse after verse, passage after passage about what God has to say about marriage. And as I was reading, I couldn't help but think there's no one else I'd rather live my life with. I'd rather be married to than Amanda. So fast forward a couple weeks, I show back up on campus and we decide to go on a little date. We go walk around Sloan Lake. And we're walking around Sloan Lake, and I tell Amanda that I had been reading scripture and I, and I wanted to marry her. Fortunately, God impressed the same on her heart. Otherwise, that would have been a very awkward conversation. Here's the deal. Scripture is a roadmap, but in my experience, it's actually even more than that. It's a, it's a GPS of sorts. And scripture can be a GPS for you too, a God positioning system. Okay, I know that sounds cheesy, but you will remember it. Because what I've experienced is that when I have a question about what's next, what's next financially, relationally, professionally, when I turn to scripture, his word reveals the way. And he can do the same for you. Look, I just shared what that looked like when I was wondering what's next relationally. Here's what it's looked like professionally. Amanda and I get married a couple years after that, that walk around Sloan Lake, we get married and I'm a student at Denver Seminary. I, I kind of worked through my studies there, wrapping up, looking for a full-time job and we wanted to live in Colorado. So I was just networking and looking and applying for jobs like crazy in the area. When my home church from Maine called and asked if we'd be interested in moving so I could be a pastor on the team there, we just about dismissed it altogether because that wasn't on our radar. That wasn't what we wanted. But we said that we would pray about any opportunity that came our way. So, begrudgingly, we started to pray about this opportunity in Maine. Well, one thing led to the next, and in one weekend we're out there and we're interviewing to just see if it would be a good fit with the church and, and for Amanda to see what life would be like in Maine because she never, she'd never lived there before. So we, we're on the flight back and Amanda is like, we're debriefing it together. And she's like, I think you should take the position. I think we need to move to Maine. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. I was always on the fence as ever. But three days later, I'm reading in my chair time in Isaiah and then in the Gospel of John. And I read these, these statements, these verses that sound almost verbatim, like things I heard when I was in Maine. I called Amanda up. She was at work. I called her up. I was like, couldn't even wait. I was like, sweetie, we're moving to Maine because I, I feel like I've heard from God. 
Now, on the other side of that step of obedience, we, uh, I got to tell you, there was so much joy. There was so much fruitfulness. So much so that when God started to stir our hearts to move back to Colorado, we were, we were skeptical. We were hesitant because we, we didn't want to miss. We didn't want to leave something so good. But some of you know the story. Over uh, several months in my chair time, I felt like God was speaking to me yet again, this time about coming back to Colorado to start a church. To, to join him and the other churches in the area in seeing a spiritual renewal come across the front range. So we're praying about this. We're talking to our pastor about this. And then I had this experience that I'd never had before. June 10th, 2018, I'm, I'm dead asleep. And then at 1 a.m., wide awake. And I'm, I'm wired. Like, I, like I'm, I'm, I am fully there, like coherently. I, I, it's like I had a cup of coffee. It's nine in the morning. Like I am ready to go. And one thought's impressed on my mind. Your thoughts and ways are not my thoughts and ways. But if you will surrender your thoughts and ways and, and go with me and, and follow my thoughts and ways, I'll include you in something greater than you could ever imagine. And I remember thinking in the moment, one, I don't think like this, but I've never thought like this before. So like God, God is speaking to me. This sounds like scripture. He's speaking to me. And I'm, not, I'm embarrassed to say, I was just like, God, can we do this in the morning? It's 1 a.m., but God was persistent, and I'm thankful that he was, because for the next two hours, we just had this conversation. I wish I had gotten out of bed. I wish I had opened my Bible and, and started to read, but the last thing he left me with was Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, where it says this, For, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I get up the next morning and I read that passage and then I read all of Isaiah 55 and I'm like, yes, I totally just told God, uh, could we talk another time when he was talking to me? But I was like, I do not want to miss him speak again. So I then read all Isaiah 55. I memorized that chapter the rest of that summer. And then I read through the book of Isaiah. I was like, I do not want to miss what God has to say. And again and again, God spoke to the new thing he was calling us to, which gave us the courage to then take another step of obedience and now move back to Colorado to start Connect Church. When you're wondering what's next, financially, relationally, professionally, look to Scripture because God can use Scripture to speak to you. I mean, imagine, imagine knowing God personally. Imagine following Jesus daily. Imagine living out your calling faithfully. It starts with reading and applying Scripture because Jesus believes that Scripture is a sign pointing to Him and our roadmap to following Him. Next time, we're going to talk about how Scripture is a roadmap to healthy relationships. But in the meantime, don't just believe the Bible is the Word of God. Live like it. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you that you promise that whenever we open Scripture, you will speak to us. Thank you for your Spirit that, that lives in each of us as we follow you. And would you, Holy Spirit, uh, compel us to open Scripture more often? And when we do, would you convict us of our sin? Would you draw us closer to Jesus? 
We love you. And it's in your name we pray.